0: Hello and welcome to the first in a series of podcasts produced by Sport Intern. My name is Ashi Sharma and I'm the editor of the Sport Intern newsletter, one of the longest-serving Olympic news bulletins produced on a daily basis Monday to Friday. Now, the aim of our podcast series will be to speak to the decision makers within the Olympic movement. And what better way to kick off our first podcast than by focusing on the forthcoming Beijing Winter Olympics? And who better to speak to than the architect behind the Games, the International Olympic Committee's Olympic Games Executive Director, Christoph Duby. Well, Christoph is already in Beijing, so I caught up with him just before he headed out and began by asking him how stressful had it been from going from the Tokyo Games straight into the Winter Olympics.
1: This is something that has not been done. It is a management challenge uh, for, for uh, each of, of those that, that are back-to-back, uh, some directly from Tokyo to, to Beijing. It's unprecedented and you have to find motivation in the fact that what we have delivered in, in Tokyo was well over and above expectations. So tick that magnificent box and then uh, head down straight into Beijing, still in the COVID context, but you know you can look at, at the, the, the team in the eye and say, without each and every one of you, what is being done here? Uh, wouldn't be doable at all. And uh, it, it starts with the very top of, of the organization, our, our president and also the the Kepper, our director general, they never miss an opportunity to motivate everyone around what is a, a human challenge, but at the same time, an amazing, amazing opportunity. And hopefully uh, two great achievements uh, six months apart. We are thinking, breathing, reading, Olympics. There is such a dynamic, such a buzz, and an awareness uh, for these games in, in Beijing. What, what
0: are the, the main differences in going from a summer to a winter games? Or do you feel that, from an organizational point of view, you are still having to tick more or less the same boxes?
1: Well, yeah, uh, you, you know what? The logic is, uh, is exactly the same. And uh, interesting enough, we have a number of of the next summer organizing committees that will come to Beijing because the functioning of a venue, basically, and the whole system with the accreditation, the transportation system, and so on and so forth, including for for you, the media, same logic. So different size, obviously, different uh, uh, context overall, but same organizational principles. And by the way, time-wise, it's the same as well. Now, what is different in the context of uh, of Beijing and and Tokyo, although we are in uh, in both uh, COVID situations, is the approach to managing COVID in uh, Japan and in China. China obviously has made this choice not to live with COVID, like it is the case in uh, our country here in in Switzerland and probably yours they have decided to eradicate COVID. So of course, the type of measures that are needed go over and above what we had for, for Japan. So if you want, the, uh, uh, the roots of the events are, are the same. You can reuse a number of, uh, of the organizational principles. But when it comes to the very specific COVID situation, although you have some commonalities, you also have some differences.
0: And what about the dynamics as the IOC when you when you move fluidly from one local organising committee as you had in Tokyo to another one um, uh, here in Beijing? H- how does that dynamic play out in terms of th- the organisation of the event? Because it's your Olympics, but it's their event.
1: Well, I think what one of the uh, evolution of uh, Agenda Twenty Twenty that that sometimes uh, flies under the radar is this notion of the the greater partnership between the Olympic movement and and we saw that that partnership in action to deliver tokyo and the host so it's not one owner and then the organizers no no it's a common project that we have as partners and we all play different roles in this giant jigsaw and i think that once you start from from this very assumption that you're in a partnership situation where we all invest uh, resources uh, and, and uh, voluminous resources when it comes uh, to, to the summer games and the winter games, financial contribution, workforce on, on our side, same from the international federations, the NOCs. But when you start from this assumption that it's a project we choose all together to develop together as partners, you have the um, you have the magic of those who are uh, doing it um, um, every two years, and those that are the the first timers, but come with tremendous local expertise and uh, and the local flavor, the local culture, music, uh, food, colors, everything else. And when you blend the two, you have the Olympic games but it's all about partnership.
0: I suppose you you always take away lessons from every kind of games that you organize. So there were very different kinds of lessons that we would have, that you as organizers would have picked up from Tokyo because of COVID. What do you take from there to uh, Beijing and how different is that? Because unlike in Tokyo, at least in Beijing, we may have some spectators as it stands at the moment.
1: Everyone has to be an impeccable games participant. And for us, it translates into being really on the bang when it comes to the playbook. And if there is one, one inch of questioning regarding a given rule, just ask. And this is why we have engaged so much with, uh, with the, the whole Olympic family and, and made sure that everyone understood because games in a COVID situation are fragile, right? So it's really the responsibility, the duty of, of everyone to understand, abide by the rules so that we don't create a situation where you could endanger the other and the other being another game participant or the citizen that, that are hosting us. So it's tremendously important uh, that that the information is clear, well understood, and re-explained constantly. So it's all about engagement on this greater mission we all have to be good participants to make sure the event is, uh, is safe. The final playbook has been released. We might have uh, version 2.1 and 2.2, uh, 0.2, but so far the version two is very, very complete. And we have all the policies that have been released as well. Now with, with Omicron, uh, the question is what to do prior to, uh, to getting to, to Beijing. And, and here in uh, all the briefings we had last week with the stakeholders, it's to ask everyone to be incredibly careful because the measures we have, from the moment you enter China are, are very rigorous and, and we know that the closed loop will be impeccably managed from, uh, from the organizers. And we can talk about the, the closed loop if need be. But the point is before going, this is where it really matters. Self-testing, uh, doing everything you, you, you can not to become a close contact, let alone contracting COVID is really fundamental before going to Beijing. What we have not yet floated is the idea that, uh, as we had for the Delta variant in, um, in the context of Tokyo, to have a specific protocol, if you had, say, a prevalence of Omicron going over a certain threshold in a, different, in a, in a given country, you would remember that, that 15 of them before Tokyo were submitted to a protocol that was more rigorous prior to and upon arrival. That has not been decided. The countermeasures are incredibly solid and and we really feel that we create a a super safe environment.
0: With Tokyo, we saw it was a very successful event and all those fears that perhaps a lot of the Japanese public had about uh, becoming a super spreader event weren't really uh, coming to the fore, they didn't happen. Have you noticed a change in thinking from other federations, uh, from organizers, from the public Because of the success of Tokyo, have you sort of sensed that as you deal with people in the build-up to Beijing and even beyond?
1: That's a very good point, and and thank you for for bouncing back. Uh, Because when, indeed, WHO that that was with us all along uh, during these tough times leading up to... uh, But when the Director-General expressed himself in front of the IOC session and says, well... Uh, you have done everything that was humanly possible to, uh, to ensure safe conditions. And then you have the number to prove the declaration. A few weeks later, yes, it gives incredible confidence to the next host. But confidence to the sports system, indeed, that we can still do what we do best, which is to organize and deliver events, deliver emotions, in other words, without uh, creating problems for, uh, for the host. And yes, it's been an, an amazing confidence booster, including uh, for for Beijing, because they've seen that even for, for the, the bigger summer games, we could do it, actually.
0: The one area which isn't going to go away uh, is this issue and this idea of a, a possible diplomatic boycott, which some countries are saying that they will uh, enforce uh, in Beijing. How do you feel about that? Constant reference back to the IOC when it comes to Beijing and the idea of the the, the boycott.
1: Well, uh, several considerations here. First, uh, we're going to have all the uh, the athletes, and and this is formidable. Uh, then, then you have um, an Olympic truce, uh, uh, which speaks for itself when it comes to the endorsement by the United Nations. And then, you have you have the constant uh, reference back to, to the IOC. So. Uh, it's more a question of admitting that uh, what we do matter, because if it wasn't important, uh, well, no one would really care. What we do truly matter. It's, uh, it's being discussed uh, be- between governments at G7 and G20 during the United Nations. So the games do matter. They represent something important for humanity. So that's uh, uh, first what, what you have to, to take uh, is, is a sense of pride of doing something that is important for the international community. And then uh, it is our duty to continue to explain and no need to be frustrated, but need to explain that, that what we do is no politics. We have to manage an event that is incredibly complex that that has to encompass um, uh, any development that the civil society embrace, and, and we've seen that over over recent past, uh, the mission that, that you have as, as organizer to do well, not only uh, on, on the field of play to deliver the best conditions for the athletes, uh, but to be climate positive and, and to do uh, everything that is expected in terms of good governance, probably even even more than, than many companies around, and that on top, you will deliver a gender balance event, and, and, and. What I mean by that is, we have to clarify that that our mission although very ambitious also has boundaries and you know it, it's it's the the game of, of others to to tell us that our boundaries are not wide enough uh while we consider that that they are already incredibly ambitious and you see when you can deliver an event like we will do in uh, in beijing ensuring that the the olympic charter and the whole city contract is fully respected including on, on some topics that, that were ne- not necessarily a given, but we, we ensure that everybody will be uh, able to, to report, uh, that, that access to internet will be ensured and so on and so forth. Well, we do that in, in the context of, of our event and we should take pride in, in this. And if everybody was achieving what we do achieve, then collectively we'll, we'll have a, a great impact.
0: How do you speak to the person on the street who has that thought and and can't see that sort of balance between what the spirit of the Olympics represents, the Olympic Charter represents, and then having the event in a country where they they think well there are issues here?
1: We go we go back to uh, to, to clarifying and and constantly ex- explaining the mission, but there is. To me, an, another uh, explanation that, uh, that is at, at least when I have to, to explain myself, I think worthwhile. We're not in a movement that takes position or criticizes any, anyone coming from a different background, ethnicity or, or political system. It is not for us to, to judge the, the qualities of this. We are simply saying, We together have a common project, which is a platform where all of us, we are coming together, not for discussing about uh, your religion or, or mine, the political system I operating or yours, but for one mission, which is to live together under the same roof, because we are an example for the rest of the world. And we do one thing extremely well, it's to deliver pure Talent on, on fields of play to deliver emotions back to those that are watching. In other words, what, what we do is to unite people, is not to take side and divide. And if we would do so, we would actually divide. And you would see then participants saying, well, I am not going because I've got the fear of being criticized when I go to the Olympic Games. That is not the case. The Games are open arm. They are for everyone. Everyone is welcome.
0: What about then this issue of potential um, political messages, uh, protests, which could take place? How, How does the IOC regard that position? Because this becomes a little bit more sensitive if it happens in Beijing, as opposed to, let's say, if it happens, I don't know, say in Paris or even in Tokyo.
1: I, I don't think it is more delicate in, in the sense that uh, what, what we said we would deliver, we do, which is everybody is free to express her or himself. okay? So that's point number one. Point number two, I think that we have done something uh, really respectful of, uh, of the athletes. We asked more than 6,000 of them, what, what do you want yourself as, as athletes? And they were very clear to say, we want to be able to express ourselves in social uh, media or in a press conference. But we really do not want expressions on fields of play during the ceremonies or medal ceremonies. And they choose that between themselves. And I think that this message has really resonated because as we saw in uh, in, in Tokyo, it was really, really good from this standpoint. And if it happens, if it happens, then we manage the situation.
0: Well, that was Christophe Duby, the IOC's Olympic Games Executive Director. In our next podcast, we'll continue our chat with Christophe when he looks ahead to Paris 2024 and talks about innovating the Olympic Games. So until then, stay safe and join us for our next edition of the Sport Intern Podcast.